language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a medical droid to help and heal human beings. Can you imagine what it's like to be an ace pilot? This is your chance to make that dream come true. Woo! All right, hello everybody. Welcome to Star Wars from the Back to Tank, the Star Wars Resistance Edition. All right, so if you're new to our show, I'm Michael Flores, your host, and uh, with me is my token Filipino man. Hello, David Saval. How's it going, everyone? All right, so today we're going to be dissecting and breaking down the newest and latest episode of Star Wars Resistance, episode 10, Secrets and Holograms. Kind of a surprising episode. I Surprised in what way, Dave? Surprised that it was good? Surprised that Kaz was acting a fool? It was good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> it was not bad at all. All right, so the synopsis, when a determined Kaz tries to discover the truth about Captain Doza, he and Tora embark on an adventure where they uncover more about the tower than either bargain for plus the possibilities of a budding new romance between Tor and Kaz yay I, you know what I'm actually okay with that normally I kind of roll my eyes like oh here we go a love story in a cartoon oh joy well I hate to say it Tora in this episode kind of started getting Kazitis <laughs> well you, well I feel like if they were to go down this direction that it may work in favor of Kaz, meaning it might be what we need to help flesh him out, to make him more relatable, to make him more interesting and real. To Give make him something to, that he has to fight, actually fight yes. for. Yes. Hey, thank you, David. Motiv- motivation. motivation. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this episode was written by Stephanie Folsom and directed by Saul Reese. All right, so in this week's episode, Tora proves to be far more intuitive than Kaz uh, and proves in 24 minutes that she is a better spy than Kaz could ever hope to be. She spent one day with him and she figured out he was a spy, David. I think a, a piece of lettuce can figure out that Kaz is a spy. I guess anyone could. Exactly. I guess anyone can kind of figure out that, you know, that that Kaz may be a spy with all his overt sneaking around <laughs> with his with his. Like literally over the top Pink Panther yeah, stepping. I was laughing when he was sneaking up to Doza's office as if nobody can see him when he's walking down a wide open hallway that's bustling with activity. I'm like, everybody can see you. And he's like Kaz. crouched abnormally, like as if he wa- he he's he's in his own stealth mode. And I'm like, going, no one walks like this, goddammit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in fact, you're drawing attention. If you were just walking as if you were going to Doza's office, nobody would would think anything about it. But the fact that you're hunching down and walking around like you're a, a Cracker Jack 
Sleuth from the 1950s cartoons and Dick Tracy is your partner, everyone's going to notice you, Kaz. Yeah. So Tora and Doza take center stage this week. It seems like Kaz is becoming more and more the tag along. Each episode, retrospectively, Dave, if we go back, each episode has focused on a character on the platform and Kaz is simply along for the ride. Yeah, it seems like basically the audience is supposed to be Kaz, which is scary. Yeah, we keep saying that Kaz is not an interesting lead, that he's written a lot like the sidekick, you know, buffoonery, Three Stooges type antics. But perhaps that's intentional because week after week, he continually falls into that spot. Last week, Yeager was the story. The yes. week before that, it was Sonara and then Tam, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I'm not joking about Torek coming off as a better spy. Think about how she was written. She's using deductive reasoning skills, yes. watching and interpreting action, keeping a low profile. No one suspects that she's piecing everything together. And she can figure out how to be stealthy. Right. Now contrast that with Kaz. Everything with Kaz is childlike. He takes everything at face value, <laughs> much like a basic adolescent, and does not use any type of investigative skills like intuition or deduction comprehension. He's the internet, David. Whatever opinion he heard first is now gospel. Never mind the planned pirate raids, the convenient arrival of the First Order. I mean, there is really no deductive skills when it comes to Kaz. But like I said, you contrast that with Torah and it's the complete opposite. The sky is blue because God made it that way. No, Kaz, a simple investigation will tell you the sky is blue because molecules in the air scatter blue light from the sun more than they scattered red light. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's what really hit home for me. This episode about Kaz is like Kaz is not uh, Kaz is naive. You know, like we always said that Luke is that naive farm boy, uh, farm boy fighter, right? Mm -hmm. He's the dreamer. He's the farm boy. Kaz is like that only it's multiplied by like, it's multiplied by like a hundred times. Yeah. Because like, but how do you actually take something from face value just without any deductive reasoning? Yeah. Yes, you're you see something right in front of your face, but you're right. It is kind of like that internet troll type of person who just jumps to conclusions right away without any research behind it. And a lot of his conclusions, it was funny because that was one of the most uh, one of the most frustrating points in this episode for me was where at one point, I thought Kaz was using his brain. And then the next second, it like goes out the window because, nope, I had it all wrong. <laughs> all Kaz wanted to do was another thing and the most atypical thing you'd expect. Yeah, it's um, it's a little strange. And I know we have said, well, it's a kid's show. It's written for kids. And that's why he acts a certain way. But I don't know if that's really the proper excuse anymore any longer not any longer because, because look when at the you cast around yes yes david look at exhibit a through z everybody else acts appropriately kaz is the only person that acts like a sidekick i know i'm thinking about this way too much perhaps but this goes back to my only issue with the series 
the way Kaz is written, literally everyone is more interesting than him. He's there for comedy relief and does very little for the story itself. Uh, the writers attach the narrative every week to someone else, and it seems like Kaz is more or less there as her eyes and ears. A point that you had just mentioned a few moments ago. A representation of the audience, much like Finn and Ray in The Force Awakens, but minus the actual character development and overall basic human intelligence. Yeah. See, and, and and that's why I love The Force Awakens. Just again, let's let's let me branch out my idea just a bit more so that people can understand my comparison here. If there are people that are new to the show, they may not have heard this before. The reason why I love The Force Awakens and the way it was written is because it was very fucking clever. It, it was written in a way to bring in new audiences into a franchise that has been going on for 40 years. You introduce these characters, Ray and Finn, who are not in the know. They are people who might have heard of Luke Skywalker, might have heard of the great Han Solo, might have heard of Darth Vader, much like people over the past 40 years in real life. Oh, you know, I heard of Luke Skywalker. I never really was into Star Wars, but this new Force Awakens trailer made me really want to get involved and go see Star Wars. So they use the characters Finn and Rey as the audience's audiences eyes and ears as a way to introduce new audiences through our characters to this world and as things unravel and the introduction of Luke and Han Solo and the idea of the Empire fall, has fallen and, and the rise of the First Order is all being introduced to these characters who don't know anything and slowly by slowly they're brought into the center of it all and they understand the the checks and balances of this universe yeah so in a lot of ways possibly I'm thinking maybe the writers are trying to do the same thing with Kaz, that he is the eyes of the audience. He's the way that we as viewers are introduced into this world every week. And I, I feel like the idea, if that's what they're doing, the idea is sound. It worked for The Force Awakens, it's as sound. I just said. But at the same time, Kaz is our lead and we expect more from our leads, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, you hit it right on the head. I mean, the difference, I agree. You know, Finn and Ray, they were posed as people who were fish out of water in Force Awakens. Much like the they younger were, demo. I mean, my favorite scene in Force Awakens is that that scene between Finn and Han Solo at the end where Finn looks at Han Solo and says, we'll use the Force. And right. Han looks at him and says, that's not how it works. And that naive that that naiveness was naivete naivete is actually very nice. It, yeah. I thought that that was actually how a naive person would react. It's a non-heavy-handed way to introduce concepts of the world of Star Wars to new audiences. Yeah, and it's funny at the same time. It's two birds with one stone, and I do get the idea that they're doing very similar things with Resistance because this is a show designed for. I would say a much younger demo than say even the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels was. That being said, you could still write your lead appropriately uh, or should I say in a way that fits the classic protagonist style um, that fits the classic writing format and writing yeah. rules for a protagonist. You know because you know, he's he's not written like a protagonist. He's written like a sidekick. You know how you fix Kaz to make him like Ray and Finn? You, it's he, easy. You kill him? No, no, it's oh, really oh. easy. 
You give him motivation. Give him motivation. Finn. Finn's motivation was to go save Ray. Right. That's his motivation, and that's what made him very and, appealing. And Ray's motivation was to have a sense of belonging. A sense of belonging. A sense of purpose. What does Kaz have at this point? Yeah. I mean, even doesn't seem even in this episode, yes, this is probably the most episode we've ever seen him act and try to be a spy. Mm-hmm. But even then, that's not his motivation. Yeah. Why is he doing it? And it, it, there's times when he's like, when he's asked about a spy, he's not sure how to answer. He's not sure how to how to think, how to how what he feels. And I'm like, like, dude, if you have no motivation for this, you're not being very appealing toward the audience. Yeah. And and I I just have to question what the writers are doing with him, because that's what it comes down to. If every character was flat and and just not interesting, then I'd say, hey, you know what? The writers have some problems. They don't know how to write characters. They did. They just don't. They don't know. They don't know anything about character development. But that's obviously not true. So that then, so that leads me to think that they're attempting to do something with Kaz, and it's not connecting with the audience. Do you see where I'm going with that? Yes. I feel like they have a plan, or they had a plan in the writing room, and they figured on paper it looked great, and now that you're seeing it on screen. I, I, it's just not working. And I'm hoping the writers acknowledge this. I'm hoping they see that it's not working, that whatever plan they had originally for Kaz, they realize after this break that they could go back and fix it. Cause right now, I hope they fix it. It's too late now. It's too late now for, for right for this season or the first half of the season, obviously, but hopefully when they come back for the second half, they have recognized the mistakes that were made and they take some drastic measures to salvage Kaz's character. Uh, and like, like I said at the top of the show, maybe this love story uh, that it seems like they're setting up between Torah and Kaz will help to flesh him out a bit more or help in the way of motivation. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really hoping they do that because like we've seen that they can do this. This crew is the same crew that, worked on rebels with Dave Filoni and they, they did this. I mean, they did it with Ezra between from season one to season two, they matured Ezra to the point that Ezra was not a, was not this like kid that we saw in season one. He was becoming a mature young adult. But I, I don't even want to compare. I get your comparison, but I don't even want to compare Kaz to Ezra because Ezra was never like this. Ezra was childish because he was a young kid who was very argumentative, which is yes. what kids do when they're when they're arguing with their parents. It, it's it's realistic. He matured in the sense that he was not as argumentative, but he was never a character that just drifted by and had no motivation or purpose. He had motivation from the from the opening fifteen minutes of the first episode. We knew what his motivation was. It was about Lothal. Yeah. And um, with Kaz, they just haven't connected that quite yet. That's why I'm really, that's why I was really hoping. I saw the the chemistry that they were trying to give between Kaz and Tora. And I'm like going, just like you, I'm like going, please, yes, this is how you can use this character and give him motivation. At least give him something that he cares about. You know, yeah. like. And that's what I'm saying. I'm hoping this tour thing is actually going to end up being a thing because I, I strongly feel like it could work to help his character. Yes. All right. So moving into the first order, I dug this part quite a bit. I, I like loved that. the exchange 
between Doza and Pyre making a deal with the devil type thing. It reminded me of the scene between Vader and Lando in Empire Strikes Back. The deal will never work in your favor when working with these types of people. <laughs> yep. I'm hoping we see a lot more of this moving into the second half of the season at this point, And by the time we go to winter break, we've had what? 10 to 11 episodes to set all of this up. We know of the platform. We get that it is of importance to the first order. The table is now set. It's time to take it up a notch. And I hope Doza did work for the empire. This is a question that was left open-ended purposely at the end of this week's episode. I feel like if Doza did work for the Empire or was a part of the Empire at some point in his life, it would really make things interesting. Yes. I mean, look at the Agent Callus situation in Rebels and how not only was it just a great idea for for a story between Zeb and Callus, it's just fantastic the way they parallel the two enemies and how they became the best of friends by the end. But also there was a message there about the borders and how borders are, are simply a line. Yeah. And sometimes we we join a military force because of where we grew up and, and what we were taught, our, our own ideology. And it shows that the world is much bigger than just the centralized areas that we grew up in. It said so much. It was such a, a, a wonderful message. And if they could do something similar to show the, the gray area. Now, I'm not saying that, hey, if you're a part of an empire or part of a horrible hate group and you couldn't help yourself because that's just the way you grew up. I'm not justifying for you. I'm saying eventually once you grow to realize what this is and how wrong it is, you make that change. You make the steps to change the direction you were going in once you realize what you're a part of and, and what the full picture, the bigger picture of this this organization, military group, whatever it may be, is really all about. Much like Callus, when Callus realized the differences between what the rebels were fighting for and what the Empire was about, was about that was the deciding factor for Callus, if you remember. He, oh yeah, that was he, one of our favorite moments. story arcs was was Agent Callus, because it was like... When he realized just how different the Empire treated people yeah. compared to how the rebel alliance or how the 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 rebels crew treated each other and and that's that's the thing that makes this interesting okay we've had that story before about the man realizing that he's on the wrong side and but they can make some tweaks and it would work again yeah and i i, I honestly think i want to actually see more about okay it's obvious that doza is that that when Kaz found that uniform in uh, Doza's personal closet, that closet represented something that was very personal to Doza, and he doesn't want anybody finding out about it. Which is which is cool because that harkens back to you know like uh, storylines of World War II of people like what you were saying is like people who were Nazis and who were in part of the Nazi army that that defected and basically wanted to hide the fact that they were a Nazi. Or sometimes you have the people who got their hands dirty and who remained in that military force so they can work behind the scenes for the betterment of whatever group is being suppressed. That's so why I'm interested. There were tons to see. of Nazi soldiers that weren't really Nazis. They were working undercover and trying to save Jews by the hundreds of thousands. Yeah, that's why I'm interested to see where they're going with with this revelation with Doza because you just can't just leave it there. Doza's too the way they built him up, he seems a little too level-headed and a little too fair. 
to be simply an imperial agent at some point. Yeah. Uh, and if he was, there's got to be some bigger story to it. So there's a bigger story to it. Whatever they end up doing with it, it's definitely the right ingredients and definitely they're taking this story in the right direction when it comes to him and 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 what they could do with yeah. it, right? All right, so want more Star Wars from the Back to Tank? Pledge to our Patreon page and get more every month. We put out two to four additional shows exclusively for our Patreon subscribers, from comic book discussions to retrospective breakdowns and reviews on the Clone Wars series, and a whole lot more. So head over to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge $5 or more a month and gain access to hours and hours of additional Star Wars content. All right, so Elijah Wood has reprised his role as the douche Jace, <laughs> who's apparently now a janitor. Sanitation. He works in sanitation. Doing work to pay for the damages that incurred a few episodes ago and his vendetta. And now he has a vendetta towards Kaz. Which, which, which just makes Jace look even worse because, listen, you're making Kaz your, your, your vendetta. Listen, wow. I, I would do it. I'm on Jace's team. I'm like, yes, let's kill him. Let's throw him <laughs> off that platform. <laughs> You're like, Jace, go, I could, I could make him disappear for you. Yeager made a deal with Jace. He's like, hey, come here. You know, I'm a good guy. You know, I, I fought with the rebels against the evil empire. But, you know, Kaz is just, he's going too far. I mean, the empire <laughs> killed millions. But, I mean, this guy, he's getting under my skin. And just making my overall workday misery. misery. Let's just let's just murder him, please. Let's just let's just I, off him. I've done enough good in my life that uh, one death, one murder won't won't mar that. <laughs> <laughs> now, is it just me, or do you feel like it's odd that Elijah Wood is playing such a small, insignificant role in Resistance? It is he, weird, isn't it? Yeah, because Elijah Wood has been acting for. 30 plus years and has had some fantastic work. I mean, he has a great body of work under his belt. It makes me wonder about the character Jace and what they might have planned for him. Do you think that he's simply a side character that is irrelevant or Dave, is there a bigger story? That's what I'm, I was thinking. I'm like going when they first, when they first actually announced, oh, Elijah Wood is playing this character. I'm He's like, a big deal. That's a big name to get for a side character. Yeah. And I'm like going, it made me really interested to see where they go with Jace. And Jace now is like the, the rookie of the aces and he's treated like the, the lower tier and he's a janitor. Just like what you said is like Doza treats him like a complete janitor. He's kind of like Malfoy, you know, just kind of entitled a bit. Yeah, fair skin, blonde hair, blue eyes, and that's why I'm like Joey, white privilege. I wonder if they're gonna go with that, with that, with that Harry Potter route where he's Malfoy, which I could live with because you know what, that made an interesting character in Harry Potter, and I think that led into much bigger storylines yeah. down the line. No, I agree. I agree. Outside of that, there were a few thoughts or questions I had about the peculiarities of race and ethnicity in the show <laughs> when Torah and Kaz were walking through the lounge where the aces hang out is the Colossus the new spot where the officials of the goddamn United Nations hang their hat I'm not trying to turn this discussion into a racially charged topic but have we exchanged alien language and dialects 
for some type of strange pseudo diversity. Hype speaks like a black caricature. And I mean, I put in parentheses on my show notes. Eh, is that offensive? Because it's a black caricature. It's the white what? woman speaks like she's Hilda from the Bavarian federal state of Germany. Yes. I'm a unpilot. Uh, hiding Jews. Yes. Everything is race. Yes. When did Star Wars? I, I know Lucas did the whole trade federation that were, you know, uh, even back in 1999, people people protested that saying, why would you make an entire race have, have a, a stereotypical, a, a stereotypical Asian. Asian accent? And then he changed it later because he probably thought about these. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, but I, I. And I know it's a kid's show. I understand that, and I, I, I get why they're not going to have subtitles, perhaps, for alien languages. But I would think you would at least go with, like, the gruff speaking, perhaps. See, you know, of, of aliens, but everybody talks like they're from some part of our world. And, and outside of the British dialect, the British accent, in the original trilogy, it was, uh, which was more or less the, the, the aristocratic vibe yeah. of the villains that we had in Star Wars. It, so it worked. But now, moving into this new era of Star Wars, it kind of throws me out that you're able to place these accents to, uh, to parts of our world. D- does that, does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Is it strange or am I just, well, being nitpicky? No, here? you gotta remember, I mean, Couple episodes of, in the past, I've been saying, "Hey, I want to see more about the aces." And un, well, I got it. I'm a un ace, gentlemen. And I was like, "Going, maybe this was not such a good idea." Because yeah, you're right. It felt so slap in your face. It's just weird. It just pulls me out. Types. It just even, pulls me out. I mean, if we want to have even Griff, yeah, who who. I'm like going, okay, so he's the stereotypical I'm I'm a badass. And you're not teaching kill people. And you're not teaching diversity to kids this way. That's what they're yeah. trying to do. If anything, you're you're teaching them to you're teaching them to place accents on areas of the world, which isn't that what we're against right now currently? Aren't we trying to say that diversity matters, but only because of assimilation that we should all become one. Yeah. That we should not care about the color of our skin or where we come from. But then we have this cartoon stressing all these different diverse accents with aliens. It it just, it pulls me out of star Wars immediately. Yeah, it absolutely did. This was the one scene in the episode where I was really hyped to see it. And then when I got it, I was like, like this feels weird. And I felt, like especially when hype that that entire section where hype is talking and he's he's calling he's calling J- uh, Jace a rookie or rook and in slang terms and he's telling him to get him a drink and I'm like going it's so yeah literally you made a possible character who could have been really good at hype that I said in the beginning I was really interested to see okay what are they going to do with hype but in this one, they exaggerated him so bad, it made him made me not want to know more about it. Let me give you an example of what they're doing. And again, let me stress this, David, because I don't want people ever thinking I'm offended by things. I don't get easy. I'm not easily offended. But in this day and age, when everybody's offended by everything and, and Disney's quick to change things and, and accommodate 
the the people who like to complain and get offended by things. I'm surprised that they are putting these types of things in the shows and nobody's batting an eye at it saying, oh, yeah. that's a bit offensive. Like the way they decided to have hype talk. The way he speaks. Yeah. Which is a black caricature. Yes. It okay. Is. It's a black caricature. It's no different than if you had a Mexican say, hola, orale, everybody. Come on, let's have some carne asada and some queso con huevos. It's the exact same thing. If you had a character like that, you would be like, what the fuck? <laughs> and that's what they're doing with hype. He is a black stereotype. And I, even this week, I'm a slightly confused about Torah and Doza. Have they always had that thick Latin American accent? Yes. I have. I, I, I didn't I've pick up on that, that yet. Okay, did you pick up on it the previous weeks when Torah and Doza were in the episodes? It didn't it didn't dawn on me till this right week, after right? This week. Because like Doza's never been that heavy Yes, he's had a Latin uh, kind of like that Latino v- vibe. I, ju- I just thought he had like a deep baritone voice. Baritone voice. And then suddenly he became a voice of Telemundo. Oh. Come here, Dora, my daughter. My daughter. And I was like, like what? <laughs> what uh, what did the, just like what you said? I'm like going, what the heck is Siete de aquí? And and that's what I mean about the, the there's really good ways of making making subtle diversity. Did you have Cassian speak like a Mexican stereotype? No. No. Did the, Finn I, talk like a black guy <laughs> in Force Awakens? Like no. a stereotypical black guy. Stereotypical black guy? Could you imagine that? Yeah, I felt like <laughs> it was strange how Tora out of nowhere became ultra Latina. I how just, she was she was oh come on Gaz. Come on. I was like, are you some Hayek all of a sudden? That's what I said. And she got like Kazitis. Like at certain points. I was like going. Okay, Tora was really cool because remember we never noticed this when they first introduced Tora. Okay, Tora so I'm not really making things up. Tora, no. and again, I don't care that Tora has a, a Latin American accent. I, I don't care about that. But it goes back to how many characters are we going to throw into this show that have a, a, a specific accent that you can place some real world ethnicity to. That's what I'm talking about. This is Star Wars. Yeah. This isn't the real world. And yet we're throwing in all these these ethnicities into our show. And I understand what they're doing. This is a platform. You have all types of individuals coming and going. Yeah. Um, but we're in an alien society. We're in an alien world. Why are we having Germans and Hispanics yes. and and uh, people from Switzerland all coming in with their with their accents. It's very strange. It's strange. Very to me strange. Because like, okay, I think what people have to understand is just like what I was saying. There's a there's a there's a way of doing good diversity and then bad diversity. Because good diversity is when you do it subtly and you don't notice it. Like we don't see Kaz talking like an Asian. He doesn't oh, talk I'm like surprised an Asian. That, I'm surprised they didn't. But <laughs> But the fact of the matter is, he's stylized to look like a Japanese character. So why did they make him speak? Uh, uh, oh, speak like a Japanese guy. 
<laughs> well, the actor playing him was also, I believe, Japanese-American. Yeah, Japanese-American. Why? Because they wanted to give Kaz a normal voice. And when you do and when you do bad diversity... Oh, David, a normal voice? What's normal? <laughs> that's, no, that's racist, That's Dave. racist. And you're Filipino. You shouldn't say that. You're trying to say that the Anglo accent of the United States of America is normal and the other ones are not. Well, it kind of is. <laughs> so I get what you're saying. But yeah. You might just want to rephrase that. It's hard to rephrase it, though, because it's one of those things that when I thought about it, when you when you were talking about it, like, like how do you actually make good diversity and bad diversity? And the thing I noticed. But Dave, you want to know why? We talk about this all the time in all of our shows. Don't draw attention to it. Because yes. when you draw attention to it, it becomes abnormal. Abnormal. You're pointing to it and say, look, they're different. They're different, everybody. <laughs> they're different. They're different. <laughs> No, Mexicans, blacks, Asians, they're all the same. We're all humans, and, and, and in the grand scheme of Star Wars, we're all beings of, of higher intelligence. But when you draw attention to it, that's when it becomes, in my opinion, casual racism. Yes. Because you're, you're, you're spotlighting it. It's like, oh, look, look, look. Yeah. And that's that's how I felt when... I didn't notice yeah, it Doza, let's, Doza, let's roll those R's. I mean, I can imagine the director for this episode, Saul Reese. He's like, <laughs> he's all, all right, uh, whatever the actor that plays Doza, I forget his name. He's like, all right, Doza, for this scene, we need you. We noticed that in the previous episodes, um, we couldn't really know. The audience couldn't really tell that you were of Latin American descent. And we really need to stress this because we want to earn our brownie points. We want to get those pats on the back. We want people to say, oh, look at Disney. Look at Star Wars. They're, they're, they're champions of, of diversity. And it sounds to me like you're talking like a white guy, Doza. And, you know, affirmative action here um, <laughs> has dictated that we must hire a Mexican for this role. And uh, I want to make sure that everyone knows you are Mexican. Mexican. So please, when you speak. So what we need you to do moving forward is we need you to drive home those R's. Please roll those R's. So when you call for your daughter, Tora, we want you to do Tora. 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 <laughs> He's all, but, you know, Saul, I, I, I've never done that before. I just called her Tora. No, 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 no. It's okay. Never mind what we did before. Now, moving forward, forward. just Tora. Tora. <laughs> and don't call me Saul. Call me Saul. <laughs> and it's Ruiz. It's Saul Reese. Reese. <laughs> Let's practice. Ready? After me, David. Saul. Saul. Reese. Reese. <laughs> All right. You'll do just fine here. <laughs> I just think there's too. I know we were going on about it for like 10 minutes now, but. But it's true. You brought. There's the, too much the, emphasis being put on things that are unnecessary. Let's forget about the the pseudo diversity that this show is trying to do. And let's actually focus on fleshing out our lead character. And then. Everything else will come into play. Look how natural Rebels was. We had a very diverse cast. Oh, absolutely. And it was a natural progression. There, it, nothing was contrived or forced. All right. We should probably wrap this up before I get more and more negative. Do you want to add some final thoughts to this overall discussion, Dave? Uh, final thoughts. We, we pretty much hit everything on the head. I mean, the one really positive point about uh, the episode was actually that very ending because it's kind of like left it on a cliffhanger is you know the revelation of his imperial ties is that going to actually happen in the next episode because they actually we know that the first order is here so and he's gonna possibly i, I think he'll follow through with the deal 
because I'd be really shocked if Doza doesn't. But Doza also understands how the Imperial works. And if the Imper- if the First Order does the same works the same way as the Imperial Order, Doza should know what he's in for. So that entire that entire scenario at the very end had me really interested that they just didn't come out and Doza didn't make the decision right away. He basically said he he told Pyre, I'm gonna look this over and I'm gonna actually dis- give you a decision later. Not right now, but later. Hey David, you know, you're Filipino and I'm Mexican, and I think we should both start over I think we should start pronouncing words correctly, okay? Do you know what what language do you guys speak in the Philippines? <laughs> There's Tagalog. Uh yeah, I need you to start speaking Tagalin. Is it Tagalog? <laughs> Tagalog. <laughs> what is it? Tagalog. Tagalog? Yeah. Okay. Never mind. That's a horrible word. It's a horrible word. <laughs> so stupid. All right. Are you done with your final thoughts? Yeah. My final thoughts on this. Actually, the other final thought that I had on this one, surprisingly, this is a, one of the best episodes I think that we've gotten so far. So... I'm hoping that they cap things off next week on a really strong note because they got to. I agree. Uh, I We made a lot of jokes this week, but I do feel like this is a very strong episode. Um, a lot of the pieces that they've been setting up are now falling into place. And you're absolutely right about next week's episode. It's the midseason finale and the table is set, Dave. And it's time to just sit down and enjoy the meal and all that hard work. Dude, this meal could either be really good or it could be bad fast food. Because, like, let's face it, we need if, we Rebel, need- if, if Resistance doesn't score well next week, what, what are they going to do with this? The show won't the last. Show. The show won't last if it doesn't score well. I mean, it could. I know Disney's going in a very different direction with some of these kids' shows uh, for lots of purposes. For I, I'm sure they're hoping to capture new audiences and add longevity to the franchise and that's the best way to do it is through capitalizing on that younger demo when they're very very young and they will probably for the most part stay with you for the rest of their lives into their 30s and 40s and then they'll introduce star wars to their kids and then star wars will live on so these cartoons i i don't know if they're gonna be for the purpose of hardcore star wars fans anymore i I feel like they're more or less geared towards capturing new young audiences to add life to the franchise new blood so if that's their point then this show will stay if their point is to appease star wars fans in general with some fantastic stories uh, then they're either going to make some changes or the show will probably come to a conclusion a lot sooner than perhaps everyone had originally anticipated or had thought or had planned all right so this concludes our discussion on on this week's episode of star wars resistance episode 10 one episode left until the mid-season finale i'm excited i'm looking forward to seeing what happens and uh, let's lay off the the accents all right thank you david thank you may the force be with us hello this is stormtrooper one and if you've missed any portion of the show you can always head over to FromTheBackToTank.com and uh, listen to the show at your leisure. Uh, we're also on Stitcher, Smart Radio, Stitcher.com, search BACTA, and that is to your favorites. Thank you. And uh, listen responsibly.
and may the force be with you. And long live. Thank you for listening to From the Back to Tank. And From the Back to Tank is executive produced by Michael Flores and Dustin Lucas. Hosted by Michael Flores, David Zabal. You can find out more about our show by going to www.fromthebacktotank.com. You can also find us on Twitter at from back to tank as well as facebook facebook.com slash from the